Hey, good morning. If you're joining us online or you're here in the room, uh, either way, we're glad you're here. I'm Charlie, the lead pastor here, and glad that you are worshiping with us as we're starting this new series. Special shout out to any dads in the room who survived our first um, two-night women's retreat. Congratulations. I'd give you extra points for being here today, but we know why you're here. You needed a minute, right? No, seriously, though, really, really, really glad, really glad you're here. Um, yeah, so we've got, if you don't know, my wife and I, Heidi, I'm Charlie, by the way, I don't know if sometimes I forget to introduce myself. Um, we've, been, we've been married, it will be 28 years um, this June. We have three daughters, everybody just recently had a birthday this fall, and they turned 24, 21, and 10, which is like, you know, that's a pretty significant gap as far as gaps in children's ages go. And so really what it's been like for us is like parenting in two waves, okay, you kind of go through all these seasons, and then you kind of recover from them, and next thing you know, like just whoop, nobody's having to, oh yeah, I, I, yeah, I remember this, I remember this, I remember this. And we're getting to the point now, we're getting kind of close to the idea of whether or not it's time, and some of you may think this is too early, some of you think it's too late, it doesn't really matter, that's the point. But it's like, is it okay to just kind of leave her home alone for a little while? And I even thought about it this weekend, my wife was, um, she, it was parents weekend at, um, or my for my middle daughter Lauren at her sorority, so she was with her most of the weekend, and there was a couple of times like, oh, I need to go run this errand, I was like, I, I could just... I could, I could go, I could leave her, and he's like, mm, I, decide, I decided not to, I decided not to, but it's, it's to that point, and I remember this with our oldest two, let's say they were, you know, they were 12 and 9 maybe at the time, whatever, and we kind of first left them like home alone, like for like a date night kind of thing, and there's a lot of different ways to kind of go about this as far as like the speech you got to give them, but you got to give them, you got to give them some kind of a speech, you got to, you got to say something, you just going to be like, okay, well, you guys are great, we'll just leave, you got to say something, right, so I went... It's kind of a kind of movements to it. If you you start inspirational, then you go to threats, and then back to inspirational. It's like, hey, listen, guys, listen, 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 listen. listen. You guys are gonna have a great time. We're not gonna be here. Nobody here to boss you around. You got a lot of freedom, kind of within the rules. Kind of do whatever you guys want. You're not here. You it's gonna feel it's gonna feel great, and you're gonna love it, and you're gonna want to keep doing it. But <clears throat> but if I hear that you or anything, or just like you tear something up, you do something, you're not going to be able to do it again, but you're going to want to do it again, it's going to be so fun, and if it goes great tonight, we'll just be able to do this all the time, because the challenge is, it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily, we, we didn't trust the one that was going to be in charge, as much as we didn't trust the one who didn't want her older sister to be in charge. It was, it was the fighting we were worried about. But they, they did great. I think they kind of took to it. It's like, it really does feel cool to kind of have this, this level of freedom. And, it, and it, went, it went really well. Now, I was worried about the fighting with the first two. I'm just not really sure what Layla, our youngest, I'm not sure what she would do if she was home alone. It scares me to death. Not that something bad would happen to her, but just, just a schemer. She's a schemer and a plotter. I just, I, I don't know. But we, we'll have to get there, right? And, and so we have this passage, it's, it's kind of the passage, Mark, Mark, if you were here, Mark, Mark kind of talked about it, kind of this great, the upper room discourse. Essentially, we've got this, this situation where, where Jesus, he's about to go. He's kind of had these followers, he's had these disciples, he's been training them, and, and, and now, 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 it's, now, now he's about to leave. 
And really what this passage is, what we're looking at today and over the next several weeks, is kind of his inspirational speech of like, here's what it's going to be like. Here's what I need you to know. Let's, let's just jump right into it here because it kind of he kind of intro the it kind of gets introed here really well uh, by John who's kind of narrating this John chapter thirteen verse one. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he'd come from God and was returning to God. So if you know the story of kind of Jesus kind of having what's called the Last Supper and having the Passover meal together, it's kind of a thing that kind of transitioned into communion for us. They're up there, and it says the meal's kind of already underway. So we've kind of already had kind of, kind of that part. And um, they're all up there, and they've been eating. And Jesus is starting to get reflective. And, and it says, hey, he knew that the hour had come, the time had come. He knew that he was about to get arrested. He knew that he was about to be tortured, executed. He was going to die on the cross. He was going to sacrifice himself. He knew that that moment was coming. And he knew that then after that, he was going to come back to life, but then he was going to be gone for good. And so he's got this, he's, I mean, sentimental, thoughtful, this kind of this idea of like, okay, and he says he starts thinking about how much he loves his guys, how much he loved these disciples. So he just says he loved them, and he loved them so much, and he loved them all the way to the end. They mean so much to him. And in verse 3 it says that he knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and they had come from God and was returning to God. He knew that, this, that because of his sacrifice, there was a new level of authority that he was going to have. And that he had these followers, and he knew he knew who he was. He knew where he came from. He knew what this new situation was going to be. He knew where he was going. And he knew that his followers that he loved so much, they were going to have a difficult time. They were going to have a difficult time kind of processing what's about to happen with his, with his arrest and his, his torture, his execution. They were going to have a hard time. But really beyond that, they were going to have a hard time to know what to do after he was gone. I know I've mentioned this here before, and if you've been to Connections, you've heard me talk about this. These kind of these moments where Jesus is kind of describing to his followers what it's going to look like, what it's going to mean for them to be a follower of Jesus when you're not literally following Jesus. And so for the most part, that's what it had been. Like They followed Jesus, and that meant he was here, and they were here, and he went here, and they went here. Jesus did this, and they did this with him. It was a very literal following. Now they're trying, now Jesus like, he thinks about it, I'm going to be gone, and I love these guys, and I don't know what's about to happen. And I need to think through, like, what is it, what is it, that, they, what is it that, they, that, that they need to know? How do they follow me when I'm not here physically to follow? Again, this is the only thing that we've ever known, is following Jesus without the physical presence of Jesus here. This is a new transition for them. This is incredibly important information for them. But in the same way that it's important for them, even though it was going to be new to them, this idea, we didn't have to go through this transition. Everything that Jesus is going to say here today and over the next several weeks we kind of go through this teaching is very important. This is 
This is, this is what was on Jesus' mind when he thought about the people that I love, the people that are following me, what do they need to be about once I'm gone? And so, verse 4 kind of says, so he got up. And so again, the transition here, he's thinking about all of these things and what they need to know and what they need to understand. And so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. Takes off his robe, his towel around. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, well, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Jesus, Simon Peter, replied, not, not, just, not, 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 not just my feet, but my, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. And so Jesus gets up. He's thinking about what they need to know, what they need to be, what they need to understand. He gets up and he starts, he puts his towel around him, and he starts washing everybody's feet. And, and there's a couple of things that I think that Jesus is really trying to get across to us. One we're going to see in this interaction with, with Simon Peter. The next one is going to be we're the next part of the passage where Jesus kind of is verbally explaining kind of the what and why of what he did. But in this part, he's interacting with, with Peter, and Peter's like, are you, are you going to... Wash my feet, and uh, Jesus is like, yeah. He's like, no, 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 no. This not, this not. No, 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 no. No, that's 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 that you're Jesus, and I'm not. We, we can't have this. And then he said, well, if you can't do, if I, if I can't do this, then you don't have anything to do with it. And then Peter, of course, rightly panics. Well, then then wash whatever, like my hands, my face, everything. Please, please. Right? He, he he's shocked by it. He's like, no, no, no. Listen. Um. You just, you just need me to do this. You just need me to do this. It's fine. And in that statement, as he's communicating this to Peter, we have this really interesting thing. He's like, if you don't let me clean you, then you don't have anything to do with me. Again, he's not necessarily literally talking about that particular moment. But again, we see this metaphor here. And he's talking about what it means to be clean. And what we understand here, he's talking about this idea. is like, you are dirty. And if you don't allow me to sacrifice, humble myself, and clean you, you don't get to have anything to do with me. So we have here this beautiful gospel imagery. And we'll, and we'll say it this way, that, that life with Jesus, essentially, life with Jesus, it begins with the gospel. He's about to lay out for them what life is supposed to be like. And there's going to be all of these, these tips on how to, how to hear from the Holy Spirit and what that means and how we need to, to, to love each other and what it means to stay connected with God even though I'm not physically present here. He's going to have all these incredible, awesome things to say about how to live life. And a lot of the times during the course of these next few weeks, it's going to feel like it's kind of like practical life tips on how to be a Christian in the world, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to feel like that. But before we get to practical life tips, I think it's really important for us to take a moment right here and make sure we get the very beginning. This is the first thing that Jesus communicated 
after he was thinking all of this. This idea, this, this gospel imagery of you are dirty and I am humbling myself so that you can be clean. And if I do not clean you, you can't be with me. And again, again, the moment of this, I, I can only imagine that Peter was very confused uh, at the beginning and nothing that Jesus said deconfused them. He's like, you know, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have anything to do with me. Well, wash my hands and my face too. He's like, no, you're already mostly clean. Just, you just need a little bit of this, but not all of you are clean. I'm like, you know, Jesus hadn't done anything yet. I mean, he had, I mean, can't imagine he had any idea what he was talking about. All he knew was in that moment, I want to be with Jesus. But now we look back and we reflect on it, and we just see this beautiful picture that Jesus is painting for them. There's going to be a an ear popping kind of kind of moment of wow for them at some point where it's like he's talking about his death he's talking about that sacrifice that he made to clean us from sins because not only does Peter not understand this but we're going to see in a few chapters they didn't really understand what was happening to Jesus at the time this is all something that kind of unfolded for them we have the beautiful we have, we have the, the beautiful ability of hindsight to kind of look back at the whole picture and we see this that we're all dirty our sin has corrupted us. It has made us spiritually dirty. It has isolated us from God. It is, it, is a, it is a spiritual cancer inside of us. It's rotting us. And there used to be a time when I would preach that was like it was it was like a difficult thing. It's like, man, can you just we have to try to convince people? Sin is destroying people and destroying our world. It's the it's not a pleasure to preach that, but it is a lot easier to preach that today. I think we just see it. We see it everywhere. But too often, we see it over there. And I don't see it right here. And it's important for us as we think about what our life with Jesus is supposed to be, that I first and foremost, I see what sin has done to me. I see the corruption and the isolation that it has done to me. I see how it's destroyed me. I see how dirty I am. And how, and how much I need for Jesus to sacrifice himself for me so that I can be clean. So for some of you, this is a new idea that you're still just kind of wrestling with. And I just encourage you to keep doing it. Keep understand, keep thinking about what that means. But I encourage you to accept it, to understand that without Jesus' sacrifice, the sin, it continues to be a problem both internally for me and externally in my relationship with God. But he sacrificed himself. His death on the cross so that we could be clean, so that we could be with Him. And for those of us who maybe we have understood this for some time, let's continue to let it sink in and make sure that we understand as we're going to talk about this path of what it means like to walk with Jesus, make sure we understand where, where the starting point is. Where does the path start? And it starts with, starts with the gospel. And so he's going to, after, after having this interaction with Peter about, about his sacrifice and cleaning, he's going to explain just a little more in depth kind of what it is that he was, what he was wanting to do. Starting in verse 12, again, still in John chapter 13. <clears throat> when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. Now, I'm sure Jesus knew that was a rhetorical question. Hey, do you understand what just happened? And he's like, I don't know. 
He's already had one weird interaction with Peter. Peter obviously didn't understand. That's one of those things. I've been in this situation. Maybe you have to. Have you ever led a small group where you ask a question? Like, yeah, yeah, you guys understand what this means? And you're like, mm. I feel like there's only wrong answers here. And if I'm quiet long enough, he's just going to go ahead and answer it. Right? So they're like, do you understand what just happened? Like, kind of, I just imagine most kind of looking at each other. And that maybe just hoping that Jesus will just break the awkward silence with the answer, which he does. Do you understand what happened to you? Like, no. Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for this is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You understand? No. Well, let me tell you. I am teacher, Lord. These are what you call me. And it's right that you call me. This is what I am. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a Lord. I'm not a rabbi. I'm not a leader. I am capital T teacher. I'm capital R rabbi. I'm capital L Lord. That is what you call me. That is your understanding of me. And it is right that you think of me that way. And now what you've experienced is though me holding all of this power, all of this authority, all of this leadership, this status, this place that I have, you now understanding that this is who I am. I know it, you know it, and I know that you know it. You have seen me wash your feet. Now, you guys need to be about that as well. And so what he says, what, he, what he's explained to them is this, is that Jesus is a leader, but he's a leader that serves. He's a serving leader. He, he even though he has all of this status, all of this power, all of this influence, even though he's like, I am the kind of guy who even though I have all these perks and privileges that come with being at this level, I wash your feet. Now, sometimes you'll see things like this. Maybe, maybe you work for a big organization. You've seen something like this where the, where the, where the boss, you say, oh man, oh, man, today the boss is in the mail room. Oh, I, I saw the boss today, and he was, he was, he was, he, he was working with the janitors. You know, like, and, and there's cameras, right? The footage gets leaked to the media. It's like, it's like this, this is it's not who he is. This is, this is just something that you're doing. You're trying to make some sort of point. You're trying to get some publicity or whatever. It's not who, it's not who you are. It, it feels gimmicky, right? We kind of like, we're a little, we can be a little bit skeptical. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're a good, genuine, wholesome person, and I'm the only cynic in the room. But I see these kind of things, like, come on, man, what are, what are we doing? But this is who Jesus is. This was a private moment. You'd be like, bro, the footage leaked. I get it. I get it. We all, we all, we all know that he did it. We all know that he did it. But this was who he was. We see, we've been seeing this for three years. That Jesus is a compassionate servant leader and did not view anything about his position or his authority in terms of the perks and privileges that he received from it. But he perceived his level of influence only through the lens of how do, I, how, do I, how do I take this and use it 
to help others. I've got this platform. How can I use it to help others? I've got this influence. I've got this authority. How can I use it to help others? I am the Son of God. How do I want to spend my life? I, w- I want to sacrifice my life so that the world can, can be free, so that people can find hope and can be restored in their relationship with God. I, I, I want to wash their feet. I want to heal the sick. He, this is who he is. And then he makes what I would think for us probably the very obvious point. Now that I have washed your feet, you also should do the same. So Jesus is a leader that serves, and, and we must be the same. This is who he is. This is what he's saying. If this is who I am, and this is you, and I do this, you, you have to be at the same place. You need to have that same sort of attitude that the resources, the influence, the position that you have has to be used to serve someone else. And I find it incredible, and I don't think that we can say this enough. This is the first thing that Jesus thought about. He's getting all reflective and meditative about what they need to understand. And first, he kind of gets them on the, to make sure they understand where the path is, kind of this gospel metaphor. And then the first thing that he wants them to understand after that, listen, I need you to be men who serve. This is who I need you to be. Because he knew what was about to happen. He knew right now that they were just a little small little crew. You know, there was, there was 12 of them, about to be 11, right? And there was just kind of this larger group of about 70-ish of them. But he knew what was going to happen. He knew what was going to happen in Acts chapter 2. He knew about Pentecost. He knew it was going to turn from a group of 70 to over 3,000 in a day. And then it was going to become tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. It was going to become this, this re, you know, first like a local and then a countrywide, then a regional, and ultimately a worldwide force, this incredible movement, and they were going to sit on top of it, and they were going to be the ones who knew who Jesus was and had walked with him, and they were going to have all of this influence and authority. He's like, I need you to get this, that you need to think of yourself not in terms of Lord, leader, teacher, but servant. That is who I am, and that is who you need to be. And so this, what I'm about to say is going to sound a little controversial. I don't mean for it to be controversial because I'm not taking, I'm not, this is not, it's not taking shots. But I think some, to some degree we've missed the point a little bit about this because sometimes like at retreat centers or conferences or maybe in the tradition you grew up in, we turn the actual act of foot washing. Well, Jesus wants us to wash each other's feet. And so we turn it into this kind of sacrament. And if that's what your tradition does or your retreat center, whatever you do, great. But I don't want us to... To, to lose his greater point here. It wasn't about repeating this particular ritual, but being the kind of people who do the things that only a servant would do. This is why it was so horrifying to them. Sir, only be wa- servants wash feet. Well, they didn't have any servants, so they'd been eating this meal hole together, and nobody had washed anybody's feet because there weren't any servants present. This Jesus and a whole bunch of others. There weren't any servants. This is what servants do. I'm not going to wash. I'm not going to wash anybody's feet. And she's like, I'm. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do a thing that a servant would do. And so then the question for us would be, in my life, in the places that God has put me, in the in the, in the with the influence that I have, with the resources that I have, with the opportunity, with the connection, with the reach that I have, with the platforms that I have, what can I do to take what God has given me 
and not receive privileges from it, but to serve from it. And there's one thing that's always just really kind of stuck in my mind. And it's been important to me in every church that I've been in. And I don't have an official tally sheet of this, but I suspect that it's true that no one at this church in the 11 years that I've been in, no one here has unclogged more toilets than me. It really, it really, it's like that's, that's important to me. It's important to me that if I see a clogged toilet or I hear about a clogged toilet, that I take care of it myself. Right, and I don't want to get too descriptive here. I mean, lunch is just a brief, but you know what I'm talking about. You get in there, and you can tell the person they tried to do something about it, and it didn't work. And so they're like, well, "I'm going to do that thing that that didn't work once. I'm going to do it again." And now the water's all the way at the top, and now they're like, "Well, I can't do that again." And then they just bolt, and like you know, you know, you know what it was, and it could be, anyway. And again, okay, never mind. Um, and I think that you would all understand. I don't think there's anybody here who wouldn't understand. It'd be like, like if there's anybody at the church that if they noticed that could come to somebody else and be like, hey, we got an issue in there. Can you can you can you take care of it? I mean, like this is my this is my only time. All, I'm wearing a nice shirt. The only time all week I'm wearing a nice shirt, right? Everybody, like t-shirts and hog t-shirts and, and, and athletic shorts, right? I'm wearing a nice shirt, and 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 I've got important things that I'm doing later, and I, I can't I can't look like that. I can't smell like that, right? And and it's like, but it's important to me. And I guess I'm losing points right now by talking about it, but and I'm not trying. I'm not trying to make a big deal about it. I'm like, hey, you know, walk, you know, walking victoriously out with the plunger or anything like that. It's just like it's just something that needs to be done, and it's important for me for my own mental discipline, my own spiritual discipline, that I know that I'm not so important that I shouldn't unclog the toilet. And I think what it's going to look like for all of us is going to be different. Yeah, I'm not the, you know, the leader of a church. Or maybe you feel like I'm not, I'm not the boss of anybody. But certainly if you're in any of those types of positions, you're in any leadership position at work, it's important. I mean, many of us are parents. I think at a minimum of those of us are parents, we understand that, that being a parent is about serving. It's not about the perks. Oh, I can't wait to see what these kids do for me. Like, okay, right? It's... It's, a, it's about serving. But even if you feel like in your professional life you don't have any sort of leadership role, you've got influence everywhere. You've got influence over everyone who is apart from Jesus. Because of what God has done in your life, you have an ability and a power to influence and show them who Jesus is to point them to him. And we certainly all have resources. We have resources available to us. What are you going to do with those resources? Just any influence you have over your friends. Who are you going to be? Am I going to be the one who is known as I'm going to serve and to help? I'm going to take everything that I have. I'm going to use it to to help those that need it. This is why it's been very important for us that a, that a kind of a foundational piece of who we are as a church is is our community care ministry and helping feed and to give money to people who are in desperate situations. Our, our, we have a team that do some incredible things of just kind of helping people pay bills, uh, give gift cards to, to, to keep people from getting evicted, all sorts of things. We just take money, we just give it to them. And some people think, well, man, you just, what are you really doing? Like, are you really helping? It's like, we're helping them at least in that moment. And I'll tell you, we hadn't, we, hadn't, we, hadn't, we hadn't got one church member, not one church member from that. It's, it's not about what we get. 
It is about us taking this resource. Like We're just going to take the influence that we have as a church and a community, and we are going to serve the most helpless people without condition, without fanfare, without expecting something in return. Oh, yeah, sure, we'll help you, but we'll need to see you on Sunday first. Nothing like that, just here. And these are the types of people that God has called us to be. He's a leader that serves, and we must be the same. And then he ends it with this. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So you're, you're going to be blessed. If you will have this sort of attitude, if you will live this life where you just say, I'm going to view what I have and who I am as an opportunity to serve others as opposed to being served, I'm going to use my influence, my power, my resources to help others, not to serve myself. Jesus says you're going to be blessed. That is a very churchy word, and I'm going to make sure we understand what that means. There really are just kind of typically there's kind of two different meanings for that. One is just kind of, it really kind of just means happy. You're going to be good on the inside. You're going to, you're going to be blessed. It's going to be like the good feeling that you get. Like I did that, and I'm like, I feel good. Like I feel good about what I did. I feel good about who I am. Because if you live your life like this, then you're going, to, you're going to be good. You're just going to feel good. And the other idea of blessing is kind of like this, just kind of divine kind of mark that God puts on you. It's like, I'm just going to, I'm going to prosper you. And I, I got to be careful with that word because not necessarily talking about financial wealth, but just having this thing where God puts his hand on you and says, I'm going to make you good. Good things are going to happen to you. You are going to be under my care. You're going to be under my love. Like There's going to be special things are going to happen to you because I'm going to bless you. So again, it can mean either one of those things. And context usually tells us. I'm reading this context, and it just it really feels to me like Jesus is probably talking about both of these things. That if you're going to feel good about it, God's going to be real fired up about it too. And his hand, his his blessing, his encouragement, his love, his presence is going to be with you in a special way. If we will be like what Jesus was. And I'm going to look for opportunities in my life with the influence, the resources, and the opportunities that God has given me to make my life not about me, but how I can serve somebody else. And then, both internally and externally from God, we can be blessed. Let's pray.